Thanks, Paul, and thank you, Sarah. Uh, I can't believe one of your first impressions is that I have lots of, you know, distracting and strange stories. I've got my own office upstairs. You know, Nigel, no friends. Quiet as a field mouse. I disturb no one. <laughs> I do not know what you're talking about. Um, it is lovely to have you here tonight, and uh, let me add my welcome to Fox's. Um, it, it is really great to have you uh, in this week where we're kind of beginning this new stage. Um, you know, during the week we had some more restrictions were lifted and we're now at this point where we can gather and have a different kind of arrangement of our fellowship together and that's a great blessing. Um, I do, as Foxy did, I, I do want to pass on that news from our morning congregations uh, who really for the first time in that 10 months this morning um, were able to begin meeting together weekly uh, each uh, set of our morning congregations meeting in their own building uh, for the first time and it's been such a long time for them, much longer than we've endured here in evening church and it was splendid for everyone who's a member of morning church but it just would not have been possible were it not for the willing service of so many members of this congregation who are willing to lead in our children's and youth ministries especially so I, I really just do want to say thank you so much for your partnership with our morning congregations. It is such a blessing to them. It's really indispensable to the life of our church family. And we had a wonderful morning together at both of our sites. So thank you so much for that. Um, of course, on top of any significance that today has in, in kind of the context of COVID, and there is significance to that, but I'm really glad you're here tonight because uh, again, as Fox let us know, we're starting this new series and we've called it Encapsulate. And, you know, full disclosure, um, in part, we've called it that because uh, it's one of the few really useful English words, apart from pancake, that has the letters NCA in it. Um, and so, yeah, I make no, I, I make no bones about that. I've, I'll just tell you that's why we chose it. But kind of more importantly than that, what we're trying to do in this series is to encapsulate, to sum up, to distill um, the marks of NCA Church. Uh, not in the sense of trying to describe who we are today, but rather who we could be in the future. Uh, who we could be with God's help at work in us in some ways, as a better version of ourselves, as a more mature in Christ version of ourselves. And so I really do hope that these talks won't just occupy our minds, but they, they will take hold of our hearts and they'll find their way into our prayers. I hope that we'll leave this series not just with kind of a long list of things that we now feel like we need to, you know, kind of add on to the long list of things that we were already doing, but would rather leave this series with a renewed appreciation of the unspeakable riches of God's mercy and grace that he has lavished on us through Christ Jesus. And that we together would long to grow up into that salvation and into this grace of God in which we now stand in every way that we live, both individually and together. Now, of course, these seven talks won't cover everything that we might want to say about who we'd like to be as a church. Doubtless, if we came back in another year's time, some of our topics would shift around a little bit. Um, but these are some of the key things that are on my heart and on the ministry team's heart for us as a church. Some of the things that we pray for 
for us as a church, that we long for for us as a church. Because ultimately, in the end, we're convinced that these are the kind of things that God longs for, for us as a church, for as his church. And I hope this won't surprise you in any way, but the, the really uh, sincere intention of this series is that it will be both properly biblical, but also genuinely practical. That on Sunday nights, we'll have solid food to really sink our teeth into, but it'll still be helpful for us by the time Thursday morning rolls around. And uh, certainly we'll try to finish most of the talks in this series with some practical suggestions on how we might uh, grow in the areas that we are considering. But we start tonight with the idea of us being a people, both individually and together as a church, who are overflowing with thankfulness. I don't know how you uh, kind of respond when you first hear that that's the, the number one talk in this series. Um, again, you know, full disclosure, I, I suspect that as the rest of the series goes on, perhaps there won't be too many surprises in there. You know, there will be a talk on the Bible and there'll be a talk on prayer and there'll be a talk on engaging in gospel mission and evangelism and, and perhaps all of those things you would have said, yeah, that's what I will expect. Bring it on. But I do wonder how many of us would have started with us being a people who are overflowing with thankfulness. Would you have put that into your series of seven topics to describe what we would long to be as a church? And yet I want to suggest that this is actually a really vital place for us to start. And I hope that we'll hear the rest of the series with the constant recollection that this is what came first. Because you see, what thankfulness does is it rightly orients us to God. It, it rightly orients us to God as those who in the first place receive from God the things that he has done for us. To start with thankfulness to God, it actually delays any consideration of the things that we might do and it reminds us that in the first place we are to be grateful receivers of what God has done because in the relationship between God and humanity, this is how it always works. God is the one who takes the initiative. Our thankfulness to God then is simply a humble expression of what God in every way deserves. Uh, a few weeks ago in the summer series, I don't know if you were here for it, when we got to Psalm 95 and I made the comment then that when we confess our sins to God, that is really a heart softening activity because as we admit to God our own unworthiness, as we admit to God our constant need for his mercy and grace, that helps to keep our hearts from becoming stubborn and, and, and it keeps us from being stiff-necked towards God. Well, I think very much the same kind of thing goes on when we give God thanks. It's a heart-softening activity. As we give God thanks for all that he has done, we are reminded of all that he has done. And we're reminded that all he has done is more significant than what we do for him. Now, if we were to turn to the Bible, there are loads of places we could turn to learn about thankfulness. And hardly a page of the Bible goes by without giving us many, many reasons for which we are to be thankful to God. 
I was, I was sorely tempted by Psalm 107, which says, Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. See, is the people of God, we have a great story to tell. We have the best story, in fact, to tell. The, the story of the very good God who has lovingly rescued us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so let's give him thanks. And so there are so many places we could go to think about thankfulness. But one of the clearest is in the New Testament, in the, the letter to the Colossians, uh, a little part of which uh, Paul read for us before from chapter 1. And in this letter, again and again, we hear the Apostle Paul really shine the spotlight onto the thanksgiving that God's people are to return to him. And Paul does this in a couple of different ways in Colossians. Uh, first of all, Paul himself models thankfulness to God. So if you're familiar with Paul's letters, you can probably think about this, but at the start of chapter 1, usually, there's a little section where he he reports his thanksgiving. And so too in Colossians, in the section just before, Paul read for us before. Uh, as the Apostle Paul, not the youth worker Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he considers this church that he has never met, the Colossians, and he thinks about their faith in Christ Jesus, and he thinks about their love for all the saints, these things are such an unmistakable mark of God's powerful work in their lives that chapter 1, verse 3, he simply cannot help but give God thanks every single time he prays for them. Well, what a pattern this could give us as we pray for each other here at church. For our mission partners who work overseas. I mean, there may be many, many things that we can't pray for each other about in detail because we don't know about them in detail. But friends, if we know someone to be a brother or sister in Christ, then we can always give God thanks for his work in their lives. We can always give God thanks for their faith in Christ Jesus. We can always give God thanks for their love for God's people or for the ways that they serve, or for the ways that they are generous, or for the ways that they persevere. If we see that God is at work in someone's life, we can give God thanks for that as we pray about that brother or sister in Christ. And so Paul models thankfulness to God. The second thing he does is he also prays about thankfulness. He prays that thankfulness would more and more come to characterise the Colossians. And this is the section that we read before. So chapter 1, uh, halfway through verse 9, Paul describes that the thing he prays for is that God would fill the Colossians with the knowledge of his will through every wisdom and, and understanding that the Spirit gives so that they would know how to live a life that is worthy of the Lord and they would please him in every way. And then as he unpacks what that means, there are four key behaviours and the fourth one he talked about, did you see that? In verse 12, it includes giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified us, uh, qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And he has brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
And so here in Colossians 1, giving joyful thanks to God the Father, well, that's part of living a life that is worthy of the Lord. That's part of living a life that is pleasing to the Lord in every way. And, and therefore, as Paul prays for the Colossians, he prays that God would help them to grow in joyful thankfulness. Now, again, we can follow Paul's example in this. As we pray for one another, we can pray that God would help us to become more thankful. We can pray that God would produce in us such a spirit of joyful thanksgiving for what God has done in bringing us into his son's kingdom. Just in passing, what that means is that as we seek to grow in thankfulness to God, the very sharpest edge of our thankfulness concerns Christ. Uh, it's not that we're not to be thankful for God's gifts in creation. We certainly are. Uh, in, in the Gospels, for example, uh, the most common setting in which we see Jesus giving thanks to his heavenly Father, I wonder if you can think what it might be. It's actually as he's about to share a meal with people whether his disciples or a crowd. Presumably, one of the things for which Jesus gives thanks to his heavenly Father is the food that they are about to eat together. And in 1 Timothy 4, the Apostle Paul teaches that everything God created is good and that's to be received by us with thanksgiving. And this is what we, we saw in the, the general thanksgiving, the prayer that we, we pray together. Uh, up on the screen, it, began, it begins with these words, Gracious God, we humbly thank you for all your gifts so freely given to us, for life, for health, for safety, for power to work, for leisure to rest, for all that is beautiful in creation and human life. Do you remember the next words? But above all. But above all. We give you thanks for our Saviour, Jesus Christ, for his death and resurrection, for the gift of your Holy Spirit, for the hope of sharing in your glory, above all. And so as Christians, we are to be thankful to God for every gift we enjoy from his hand, but there is an above allness that pertains to our thanksgiving about Christ, in whom is our salvation. And that's what Paul is talking about, giving joyful thanks to the Father, through Christ, for he has redeemed us, he's forgiven us, he's reconciled us, he's brought us into his son's kingdom. And so Paul models thankfulness, he prays for thankfulness. Finally, he also instructs the Colossians to be thankful. And he does this on no less than five different occasions. So uh, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Uh, in the middle of chapter 3, you get three in a row. Uh, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, 
whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And then most simply of all, he says at the start of chapter 4, verse 2, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and being thankful. Now, I think it's worth pondering the fact that uh, Christians can be so often instructed to give God thanks. I think one of the things that flows from that is the idea that our thanksgiving is to spring more from our mind than from our heart. Uh, All I mean by that is uh, we don't need to wait until we have a certain feeling of gratitude before we give God thanks. Uh, In actual fact, I suspect the flow of influence goes the other way around entirely. In other words, as we commit ourselves to giving God thanks for all his good gifts and above all for Christ, that actually begins to change our hearts so that joyful thanksgiving does start to flow. But but whether or not we feel that way, we ought to give God thanks. It's simply what he deserves as abundant generosity and grace characterizes his posture towards us so overflowing thankfulness ought to characterize our posture towards him and so when all else is said and done it's good for us to remember that we are instructed to be thankful to God through Christ Jesus Uh, now I want to ask why this really matters why is thankfulness one of the things one of the kind of key marks which we ought to give ourselves to, with God's help, to grow in as a church. Uh, Let me share four reasons really briefly. First, because it does reflect who God is, as the great and gracious and generous giver, and the one who has taken all the initiative in relation to us, both in the beauty of creation and towards us in a marvellous, undeserved salvation. Our thankfulness to God simply reflects who he is. This is the words that Foxy read to us from before in in Revelation 7. One of the refrains that just reverberates around heaven. The declaration that praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. It just belongs to him. A second reason it matters, because it reflects who we are as those who are utterly dependent upon God for everything. Uh, This is as true in the general gifts of creation as it is for each one of us personally, even in the very breath of life by which God continues to sustain us day by day. Not a single breath we take has not been given to us by God. We are utterly dependent upon him. But of course, this is most true of all in our salvation. For we're told in Romans that it was at just the right time while we were still powerless that Christ died for the ungodly. We were powerless. We needed God to act and he did act. Our thankfulness to God reflects our complete dependence upon him. Uh, The third reason thankfulness matters so much is, I think it's really just the implication of the first two when you hold them together and think about it for long enough. 
Because if our thankfulness to God reflects both who he is and who we are, how wildly inappropriate it would be for us to receive good from God's hand and not return thankfulness to him. How mind-blowingly inappropriate would that be? And we saw that in Luke 17, didn't we? The first reading. Sarah read for us. The ten lepers. Who, as Jesus approached, they called out to him and asked him, have pity on us, Lord. And then when they were cleansed, as they followed his instruction to go and show themselves to the priest, only one of them came back to fall at Jesus' feet and say thank you. And Jesus' incredulity at the failure of the other nine is just completely understandable, isn't it? We're not all ten cleansed. Where were the other nine? Brothers and sisters, may their failure not be our failure. And then finally, the the reason thankfulness matters so much is because it is just such an attractive alternative to what we find in the world around us. And therefore, I think it draws attention all the more to just the, the wonderful generosity of God's character and the surpassing greatness of Christ. We were throwing this around at a meeting during the week as a staff team. What are the alternatives, do you think, to thankfulness? Except on the one hand, bitterness and grumbling, or on the other, pride and arrogance. Bitterness and grumbling from the person who refuses to acknowledge what has been given. Arrogance and pride from the person who refuses to acknowledge what has been given. Now, I don't mean to suggest by this that we won't still go through times of hardship or suffering or circumstances where we need to practice before God that godly art of groaning. Too many of us have gone through too many things for us ever to imagine that that was the case. But here's the crucial distinction, I think. Not that we necessarily give thanks for all circumstances, but I think it's clear we are to give thanks in all circumstances. And I think that's a distinction that that really matters. Uh, If you were here two years ago, um, uh, this time of year, term one, we were looking at Philippians, Paul's letter to the Philippians, and I still remember just how striking we found it at the time that Paul was writing to the Philippians from a Roman jail cell and yet he still found so many things for which he had reason to give God thanks. It wasn't that he gave God thanks for what happened to him, but he did give God thanks that what happened to him had actually served to advance the gospel. He just lifted his eyes to see the bigger context of what God in his faithful love was doing in what God in his sovereign care was doing and bringing about. 
we live in a, a culture where grumbling or pride are just so much more common than humble gratitude. But if we're the redeemed of the Lord, we've got a great story to tell, the best story. So let's get on and tell it with humility and grace and with confidence and joy that people might hear our words and they too would come to taste and see the goodness of the Lord and that it might abound in many expressions of thanksgiving to God. Uh, finally then, let me now give a couple of practical, I hope they'll be practical, pastoral suggestions for how we can grow in thankfulness. Uh, first of all, I reckon we ought to strive just to bring the ordinary language of thankfulness more and more into the way we speak in everyday situations. Um, the other day, Sarah and I were at a, a kind of start of year kind of senior school event um, and uh, one of the teachers made the comment that he was always encouraging the students to say the words, excuse me, sorry, thank you and please, as, as much as they could in as many different circumstances as were appropriate. And I thought, I'll file that one away. That'd be very handy to throw out when it's appropriate uh, around the house, and I already have. To which I was responded, why do you listen so carefully to what the teachers say? Because they're smart. Um, it's just a humble and gracious way to speak, isn't it? Uh, to be thankful people, grateful people. And I suspect if we just get on and practice that more and more as we can in ordinary circumstances, it will actually help us to grow in gratefulness before God and gratitude to God because our speech will just slowly change over time. A second suggestion, let's strive regularly to become more explicitly aware of all the different reasons for which we have to give God thanks. So it's not just an abstract kind of thankfulness we're talking about here, it's giving God thanks as the giver of everything. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I, I was kind of going through a period of significant stress and there was a, a friend who encouraged me to get a blank sheet of paper and to write down uh, A to Z, the letters of the alphabet on the left-hand side, and for every letter to try and identify uh, one thing for which I could give God thanks in his provision to me. Now, you know, some letters get pretty hard. Xylophones, maybe. But I still look back on that activity, and I can remember where I was when I did it, a cafe in Rose Bay. And I, I still can see that that activity just kind of nudged my heart a little bit. It didn't mean that the stress I was going through was all instantly relieved. It wasn't, but, but it did help me to see a bigger context of what God in his faithful, loving care might be doing and that notwithstanding my circumstances, he was still providing for me in so many ways. Things that perhaps I had lost track of a little bit, I'd lost sight of a little bit. And so maybe, maybe there's your challenge this week. Give yourself an hour at a cafe, a blank sheet of paper and a pen and a coffee and A to Z down the left-hand side and just try and fill out the page. And then actually spend time giving God thanks for the things you've written down. Or maybe 
you could try and build a pattern where every night before you put your head on the pillow, you just take a couple of minutes, you reflect on the day, and then again, you turn in prayer and you give God thanks for the various things that have happened that day. And above all, for our Saviour, Jesus Christ, because that is true every day. Third suggestion, when we pray, uh, prioritise thankfulness over prayer. Um, By that, I I don't mean spend more time giving God thanks than you do praying. I simply mean give God thanks first and then only after that pray. So put the priority over here on your thanksgiving. Uh, It just helps remind us that whole orientation towards God that in the first place we are receivers from him. And and we're receivers from him before we are petitioners to him. And so prioritise thankfulness. And in fact, whenever you're praying about any situation, any circumstance you're going through, why not set yourself the challenge of beginning your prayers about it by consciously thanking God for whatever it is in that circumstance for which you can give God thanks. Remember Paul in in a Roman jail cell writing to the Philippians. But last one, I want to suggest that I think will have a big impact here on us at NCA Church. Let's grow in giving God thanks for one another. Uh, Not not just for NCA Church in general, that's a a fine thing to do, but I I really mean for the, the people of NCA Church specifically. For other brothers and sisters here at church who have also come to trust in Christ as as we have. I'm certain that as we give thanks to God for each other, a couple of things will flow. One is, I think our love for one another will grow. Our sincere love for one another from the heart will grow. But beyond that, I I actually think it will also result in many expressions of thankfulness overflowing to God. A kind of phrase Paul uses in 2 Corinthians, it's a beautiful idea. That because of something we do and we commit ourselves to, it might result in many expressions of thankfulness to God. So build a pattern of giving God thanks for other members here of Evening Church. Uh, Give God thanks for other families at church. Give God thanks for specific children or youth that you lead. Give God thanks for specific leaders of our Bible study groups or specific members of the groups that we lead. Give God thanks for new babies that have been born among us or for new members who have joined us or for those people who will take time to sit down with us and to pray when we're going through times of hardship and they'll help carry our burdens for us. Give God thanks for those who serve us, you know, when we have music or when we have supper. Give God thanks for those who run our tech or who welcome at the door or who sit on parish council or who mow the lawns or countless other acts of service every week that I've not even mentioned. You think of someone who does one of those and give God thanks for them and for that work that he has brought up in them. In other words, even if we were simply to start with a slow and careful look around this room right now, not this room, but the the people in this room, this fellowship, 
this family of God, which God has so kindly brought us to. Friends, do we not have more reason than we can count for which God, through Jesus Christ, is worthy of all our thanks and praise? And oh, what it would look like for us as a church, were we, with God's help, to grow in such a thankfulness to him. So let me lead us in prayer. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, our words are inadequate to express the thanks that you deserve for all that you have done for us. Please forgive us when we fail to recognise that and when we fail to express it. And we do give you thanks for all your gifts so freely given. And we give you thanks above all for our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And so as Paul prayed for the Colossians, please fill us also with the knowledge of your will. That among other things, we too might overflow with thankfulness. And Heavenly Father, we pray this in the name of Christ our Saviour. Amen.